And welcome back. This is the first edition of the Red Bull Report of the semester. I am your co-host and vedette co-sports editor Jake Summersheim, and we have a very special edition today. With me, I have co-host Jake Fogel. Hi, Jake. I'm filling in for Blaine from here on out. Uh, I miss that guy like crazy, but got to move on without him. I'm happy to be here. Well, we we kind of introduced you towards the end of the podcast last year, so why don't you give yourself a formal introduction? Jake Fogel's <laughs> new sports editor here at the Vedette. Folks, how you follow, feeling? I'm following in some big footsteps, but uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk sports like I always am, but uh, we got some hard things to talk about today and some reminiscing on some good things. Well, sounds good to me. And we also have Editor-in-Chief John Barless. How you doing, John? It's been a while since I've been on the Redbird Report. Uh, I think it's been like maybe a solid I almost probably six months, seven months. It's been a long time, but I'm happy to be here, boys. I'm happy to talk some Redbird football and basketball, amongst other things. So, uh, Jake, whenever you're ready, let's kick us off here. Yeah, we do have a lot to talk about. Redbird football, first of all. We did not get a chance to talk about ISU's playoff game against North Dakota State, which, of course, did end up with a Redbird's loss, losing 9-3, to and just not much of an offensive fight from either team. Um North Dakota State, of course, ended up going on to win the national championship against James Madison, a yearly powerhouse. But what did you guys see in there in the Bison's win over the Redbirds? Um, I saw an incomplete team. Uh, you can blame it on injuries or not. You have a quarterback. I, it's hard to kind of remember the set at the time, but I don't think they had a completed pass through the first half with Bryce Jefferson. But uh, if you're going to be a quarterback in college, you got to be able to throw and whether that's a trust issue with the coaching staff or just a lack of the offense with Bryce Jefferson it's just I think it's inexcusable to hold the Bison to nine though that defense that defense they're the real deal a lot of they are the real deal and they and they showed it in that game and they showed it all season and they showed fans students other players other teams in the country especially in the valley that that they're the real deal man and they proved it all season long that they were the crutch that entire team I don't know if you can beg that loss on because of injuries, just because no Brady, no receiving core in a sense. Like their top three receivers are out. Certain QB was out. Jeff was out for that. Jeff Proctor, the running back, backup. He was out. Gave James a little bit more rest time when he's on the field. He rushed for over 500 yards that season. No fullback, no Drew Himmelman starting left guard. A lot of injuries plagued that game, but like you said, Fogel, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I think that that's an inexcusable performance by the offense, and especially by the offense, offensive coaching staff as well. I think, when did we see Bryce throw a pass after the second quarter? I don't think I saw him throw more than three passes the entire game. I think it was 0 for 2 through the first half, and he completed his Two passes pass. in the first half. That's abysmal when you have this next man up mentality. And I, I, SPAC has been preaching this all season and the seasons that I've covered the team, the seasons that you guys have covered the team. That next man up mentality is the, what the birds pride themselves on. And the fact that they couldn't get it done and the fact they couldn't capitalize on the defense is amazing. Keep in mind, North Dakota State's offense is number one in the Valley. That's, that's one thing to take away from this game. And the fact that they held them to nine points, their third lowest of the entire season, if not almost the lowest of the entire season, that's that's an opportunity missed. That's not championship football. And to squander a defensive core like that, you're going to lose a lot of seniors this year too. That's 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 awful. That's that's just bad. I I agree. Those injuries do hurt the offense, but running the ball every single play, 
they know what's coming. I don't know how you guys felt about that. I, I felt like NDSU was just waiting for James to pick a hole. And on third and 16, second and 20, you're running the ball. Come on. That's not football. That's not championship football. That's I, that, that's my piece on that. Definitely agree. You can't just give the ball James Robinson. 24 rushes, 94 total yards. It was his worst game in the playoff, but he still did have a decent game considering they knew he was going to be rushing the whole time. I, I would have liked to see more about Bryce Jefferson. I'm pretty high on the kid. I think he's going to be very good in a year or two. I think they should have given him more than eight pass attempts, which is abysmal. Just you got to let him pass more than eight times. How, how can you not mix it up in a football game like that? How, could you, how can you not State, mix it up like that? you got to throw more. That's just terrible play calling. They've got to do better. Than I, have a, yeah. I have a question for you, Jake. Uh, what did you see in Bryce Jefferson through those last three games that you that makes you think he's going to be like – you think he's going to be better than Brady Davis? I don't know if he's going to be better than Brady Davis, but I think he's more dynamic on his feet so he can make plays happen and he can throw a little. And I never really see ISU as being a team to really rely on passing. So if he can throw a little, pass some, and make some stuff happen with his feet, that'd be perfect. He was he looked good against um, – Montana State, I believe, six for 11, 75 yards. Had a very nice completion, or excuse me, Central Arkansas. Had a very nice completion to, um, I believe it was Castro Kevich, 35 yards downfield for a big play. Um, I, I think he's going to end up being a lot better than most people think. I think I agree, too. I think Bryce has a lot of uh, positive outlooks and a positive attributes to kind of make him that dual-threat quarterback that ISU kind of desperately needs. You can go back to the Birds Championship run, uh, when Trey Robertson was at the helm of that offense, he was more of a dynamic quarterback in such ways. Uh, he did he was able to pass the ball well. The Birds went 13-2 and two that season and ended up losing to NDSU in that year. And if you look at history-wise, ISU, from Robertson to Colby to Brady Davis, the passing game always hasn't been as consistent. So it's kind of when you draw back from those sort of things, you can kind of see how things look in the future. I do like Bryce. I think if Brady doesn't prove himself this camp, this offseason, I think Bryce is going to have another op- or more opportunities rather to uh, be in the game and be that play caller uh, other than just Brady. But we kind of been talking you know, about Brady for so long this season. It's it's hard to tell where he'll be next season. It's It's been a very uh, yin and yang sort of deal, kind of black and white. One season, the season ago, he was, you know, he was okay. A lot of promise going into this year, and this year he didn't really show the potential that he wanted to. Uh, and he, he said that, and it's, um, it, it's, it's sad. It's sad to see, um, but I'm pulling for him. I feel, I feel like you guys are pulling for him too, and I'm just hoping the birds can find a way to uh, do that. But speaking of which, North Dakota State, I want to talk about this real quick. I don't know how you boys feel about this. They are so good it hurts me they should just get out of the fcs at this they point be in the fbs they... trey lance performer of the year matt ends first season as ndsu's coach after climbing left to go coach kansas state last year he wins coach of the year will they lose ever like will they ever lose Someone, tell me. What, a winning streak of over 30 games at this point? They're they're insane. Trey Lance is just a phenomenal talent, already a great player, NBC Offensive Player of the Year, Newcomer of the Year, Freshman of the Year, all in one year. Not enough uh, to be said about Trey Lance. He's 
he, he proved he's, it. He's fantastic. He he proved day in and day out, game in, week after week, that he was the guy that teams were going to look at and try and neutralize. That North Dakota State offense, like I said earlier, number one in the Valley, number one in the FCS. They averaged the most passing yards, the most points in the entire league, and I just there's not enough that you can give NDSU this season, as well as seasons past. I mean, they haven't lost in three years. It's like, what? Come on, man. That's... That's just a folks. What are you thinking about? Listen, that? listen to this crazy stat. During that game against James Madison, Trey Lance went six for ten, yeah, for seventy-two yards, but he rushed for thirty carries for one hundred and sixty-six yards as a quarterback. That's, that's a dual threat if I've ever seen one. Thirty carries, like I, I'm with you. It, I'm not to the point of pain because I haven't been here as long as you have, John. But, um, like, in all honesty, we're witnessing a dynasty. And right in front of our eyes. Right. It's just, you're taking it with anger. Jake's just stunned. Uh, me, I, I I don't know what to do. I guess I'm stunned too. I, I'm so over ISU a little bit. But this team, Trey Lance, being only a freshman, he's still got years to play here. Uh, I, uncertainty with ISU next year. I, I just feel like pain is going to be a continuation. I know we kind of talked about before the podcast started that ISU football next year is going to kind of mirror how ISU basketball is doing this year. Granted, ISU did get that number seven spot in both the FCS coaches and stats polls to finish up the season. So that's a great thing to take in the next season. Uh, obviously, the Birds had a great record this year. They had double-digit wins. What were they, guys? I can't remember. Were they 10-3 and three to 11-3? and three? I can't remember. 10-5? 10-5? 10-5? Like I said, double-digit wins is regardless, it's it's good. No matter what, no matter how you chalk it up, no matter when you lose, no matter who you face, 10-5 and is a great season to kind of expound on for next year. And I think that defense is going to be, there's going to be a lot of people leaving. There's also going to be a lot of people coming back. So it's going to really be up to how this team, you know, handles that adversity and bounces back from that loss and getting ready for an NDSU sort of matchup again because you're going to see him twice a year. If you play as well as you did, you're going to see him twice a year. And ISU finishing 10-5 and five is crazy considering I we all said their season was over when they lost uh, Taylor Grimes and um, – Help me out. Andrew, Andrew, Edgar. Andrew Edgar and Taylor Grimes, yes. I remember John came in and said, the ISU season's over. They're going to well, I, I, I did. I, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll back it up. I, I, I thought at that point in time, I did not think the defense was going to turn it on. As hot as they did, I, I really didn't think ISU's they, defense was as lethal as everyone saw it. Drag me in to this. Everybody said they were done. Because at that point, I thought Brady Davis might be turning a new leaf. That Ooh. game, he had 419 yards. He did. Yeah, he, he did. That was against he Northern did. Arizona. That was his last That's game true. of the season, though. And then, bye-bye Brady. It's just... Where'd he go? I don't Where'd know. <laughs> well, you, you can kind of look. I, 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 uh, when I covered that NIU game at the beginning of the year, just to kind of get the last last jitters out of just covering a football game, one thing that I did see on that offensive side is it was a really rainy day. The ball was you know, obviously really wet. Couldn't really hold on to the ball very well. But NIU seemed to get it done on the passing side, and Brady was overthrowing and underthrowing. And pretty much at the start of the game, he was doing that. And I was like, oh, this doesn't look that great. And 
following through the weeks of the season, I'm like, all right, well, let me see if he can pick that up. Maybe see if he can, you know, clean those that that area of his game up as the season goes on. And it's just it, it didn't really seem like it totally was. It was either he throws for 400 yards or he throws for 75 yards and he has 10 opportunities and he overthrows half of them. And they just got to rely on James to do it. I'm so su- I'm so surprised that James didn't even get hurt this season. I am too. I'm, I, thought I'm so, he, I thought he would get hurt I, I, at least a game. Jeff was out. Jeff Jeff was injured. Yeah. So obviously that that kind of attributes to how much the birds rely on that run game. And the offensive line too. They're just they're just getting beat up. There's no passing game to help them out. And the offense and the offensive coaching staff and Spack and Kurt Beathard, the offensive coordinator, they know this. And other teams know this. So when you go back to games like NDSU in that quarterfinal, they they know what they're gonna get. Teams prepare all week just to see ISU's run game because they know they can't pass. ISU is gonna have to do something different this next upcoming season to really be able to make an impact. I think with because Jeff is not as good as James, uh, and I think he will James not, is a two-time All-American. Yeah, he's a, nothing I think, I think Jeff, Jeff can Jeff be. Jeff is a very good player, but he he's not going to be able to replace James right away. So it'll be huh. interesting to see how the run game is next year, and they're really going to have to try to establish a passing game to get that offense going a little bit more because I don't think they'll be able to just right. hand it off. They won't be able to hand it off to James all year. Let me ask you this. You guys go into camp, let's say, Fogues is Brady and you're Bryce. Who do you think – actually, no, scratch that just off the top of your head. Who has the job after camp, Bryce or Brady? Well, if I'm Brady, I'm quitting the team and leaving. Well, we we, well, we love Brady on this podcast. We, we, we actually – You're not tying me into that either. I'm just saying I've, – I have not been a huge fan of him all year, but if I'm Brady – Going coming off torn ACL injury, right? Um, what what are you feeling? I mean, it's the second time that it's happened. I'm just saying, like bringing in Luke Keekley, he just retired. He he retired majorly due to concussions. Like he's had several concussions throughout his career. He's been injury prone. We've seen a lot of guys like retiring early in the NFL just this season because Andrew Luck. I think Brady Davis can fit that mold because the amount of injuries he's had just to his legs. He's got one more year. I know he has. He's one got more one year, more year of eligibility. I mean, do you, do, for the love of the game, yes, but do you risk another uh, horrible injury? It's the possibly? same knee. It's the same knee that just, he tore his, his ACL on when he was at Memphis two years ago in twenty or three years ago, actually in twenty seventeen. I think that's got to be in his mind, but I, I think he's definitely looking to get that starting spot back. He's not looking to relinquish yeah. at all. He's got time. He's got a you know what? He's got eight months until not even like. Maybe June is when the camp starts. Uh, spring ball starts in March. End of February, they'll start workouts. You know, he'll be there. He won't be working out with the team since he's probably still in rehab and recovering. But I think, you know, when August rolls around, when practice really gets going and, and they're back and all the students are back, I think he has a shot. I think I think Bryce, I think they're going to be looking more towards Bryce. Maybe Jake. Maybe Jake Baltz, if anyone. Jack or Jack Baltz, Baltz sorry. Jack Baltz, yeah. Um, one of those two guys... They both got reps near the end of the season as Brady's struggles kind of started to heighten towards that playoff run. And I don't know, maybe you go towards a younger, healthier quarterback to start us off, and if Brady's healthy enough to play in the middle of the season, maybe you start him. 
I think it'll be Brady's job to lose. I just SPAC has shown all year that Brady's his guy when he was struggling and everyone was calling for a new quarterback. He said, no, Brady's going to be in there. We won't see Bryce or Jack. I think if Brady's healthy, if he's play. playing well, okay enough, he'll he'll be the starting quarterback well, at the beginning of the year. that's all the backups could do at the time, I don't blame SPAC at all. But now you have a full offseason. You've seen what Bryce Jefferson can do. Jack Baltz isn't there yet, I don't think. With the play, you can call that reps. He barely did anything in sure. those games. Bryce Jefferson barely did anything before uh, the game against North Dakota State. That's I think the most uh, action he really got. M- maybe Central Arkansas might have got a little bit more, but you have an opportunity to build something with Bryce Jefferson, in my opinion. Yeah, you've seen what Brady Davis can do. I personally think it's underwhelming at times. You can you can pick out bright spots, but. Next year, I think it's a rebuilding year with the amount of seniors that you're losing. It yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be a losing record, but I would move on. Two of those personally. seniors are all Americans, and yeah. Luther Kirk and James Robinson. They're going to yeah. be uh, playing at the East West Shrine Bowl, and that's a very prestigious honor, especially if you're hero FCS All Americans. James, two times, also up for a Walter Payton Award again for the third year in a row. He's he, he's the real deal, you guys. Yeah, he's gonna get. I I, I, think I he's I've been see, drafted. Yeah, I, I, I've been seeing things like maybe third, fourth round. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. Fifth, uh, six, I could see it. I heard, I that heard that range. too. In uh, the, in that range of three just, and six, his playoff resume just I think put him over the edge. I think I was borderline if he was gonna get drafted or not. I was thinking maybe late round, maybe undrafted, but he just completely he went. He balled out. He balled out. He balled he, out. He put the Redbirds on on his shoulders, over 500 rushing yards in three games. He, There's not enough you can say about what he did. I think he easily will, will get drafted. I He looked phenomenal. I think he'll get some reps in the, the bowl and get a chance to show all the scouts. There's 300 scouts, coaches, and uh, he was interviewed. NFL he was interviewed yeah. yesterday too. I mean, yeah, he, he, they they had him on TV. Yeah, he's gonna get picked up somewhere. It's it's definitely gonna be exciting to see the future of James Robinson. He's uh, he's a Marshawn Koprick uh, mimicking number. Marshawn Koprick did play in the CFL for some time, also in the NFL for his season. He was number twenty five at ISU. Uh, I think James is gonna follow in his footsteps. That number twenty five here for Redbird football kind of means something for this team, especially in the running back position. So there's a, there's big shoes to fill. No matter who has that number, that number should be retired, in my opinion. Yeah. When you have someone as great yeah. as James and someone as great as Marshawn Cooper come through the school and do what they've done, uh, both of them season-setting leaders, career-setting leaders, school record holders, um, it's it's going to be interesting to say the least of how James's journey either continues or wraps up in the next few months. Um, changing gears here, Jake. What about we talk about some Redbird Twitter real quick? All I have to say to Redbird Twitter is that I, I, I do love Redbird Twitter. It's probably one of my favorite things that I am a part of or I try to be a part of. Um, I love the support that I see from Redbird Twitter. And uh, let's talk some basketball. And Redbird Twitter loves their basketball, Jake. Yeah. How, how, both Jake, Jake Squared, Redbird Twitter, basketball. What have we seen from them? What's what's the vibe and the mood around normal, judging from Redbird Twitter and from the boys that cover the team? They are less than happy, and they have every reason to be. We're getting uh, calls for Mueller to be fired again. Everyone, I, I don't know if it's time, but Redbird Twitter is seem to be about it. Right they're now. calling for his head. They're calling for his head. Last year they were calling for his head. This year it seems to be coming even earlier and even stronger. I don't know. 
not happy at, about it. Through non-conference play, Jake, uh, birds went, actually Jake's, birds went 5-7, and seven, and then they opened up MVC play with the mindset that it was a new season. Uh, Sermer, that's your story. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what we missed over break from Redbird basketball before we preview. Right before you chime in, uh, Redbird basketball, you said 5-7. and seven. That's the first, the second time under Dan Muller. Their time was 2015 that they left uh, non-con. With a, losing, with a record. losing record? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I just knew that. Wow. I'm Look at I, you. I could attribute. No. You've, you've done your job. Now, uh, That's all that matters. Jake asked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they you know, struggled at the end of non-conference season, looked absolutely terrible against the University of Texas San Antonio. Muller said um, on the, I believe it was the December 31st game, that after that game he was so disappointed with his team, so in – he, they needed that break. They had about like a week and a half, two-week yeah. break, I believe, for uh, Christmas. And when he came back, he said we said it was a new new team, new season. And they looked good. They they took down the University of Northern Iowa, 76-70. to 70. That was a really good game. DJ Horn played really, really well that game. He put up 22 points. He looks like he's gonna. he might be the real deal. But things have just gone downhill from there. The Redbirds have lost three straight uh Going to Southern and falling on January fourth, sixty-seven to fifty-five, is not a good look to a weak Southern team. They returned home on January seventh to take on Missouri State, and just a lot of a lot of sloppy play. Zach Copeland had six turnovers, didn't make a shot after the first half. Had a very hot first half. I'll give him that. Five for seven shooting, and then finished zero for four, I believe, in the second half. And he got benched to start that half, and. Muller has not been happy with him. But then moving on, they went to Terre Haute and fell in probably their worst offensive showing of the year with 65-52. to 52. They didn't play bad defense, which is what kept them in it, but yeah. their offense just was – I have never seen worse shots from that team this there, year. Just, there's definitely a lot of positives and negatives coming from this team. I think the first positive that you can kind of take away is that it's not, it's not the end here. This team is going to be around for a little bit. Uh, these players specifically, you can look at Keith Fisher and Jason Hillsman. They didn't play at all last season. They were uh, looking for their eligibility. They were redshirting. They just sat the bench and they they learned they learned the system from seniors and Phil Fain, Keyshawn Evans, um, Malik Yarbrough. Those guys that have been staples at ISU basketball for the past last three four years in my mind, uh, along with Paris Lane, along with Kyle McIntosh, and that whole thing that happened in twenty fifteen or twenty seventeen rather. Um, positives. This team is still young, and they haven't played together much. And I think it's just trying to find their stride right now. Like you said, Jake, DJ Horn, he's been leading the, averaging 12.8 points a game in MVC play, and he's leading the Birds with that number, posting 22-point games against UNI, and damn near 20 points against MSU, against, or sorry, in Indiana State against, at, in Terre Haute. Yeah, he's, he's still leading with 12.8 points a game after having zero points against Missouri State. He seems like had a problem with his leg, didn't, was pulled during the MSU game, didn't come back. Was 0 for 5 shooting, but still has a 12.8 yeah. points per game. He's, that, he's played really, really well. He's probably, in my opinion, the biggest bright spot on that team right now. He has done phenomenally. I don't know what you can ask more from him. He's played great on both sides of the court. Defensively, especially, Muller has raved about how well he's played there. Um, he was given a starting spot because how well he played defensively because uh, players like Ricky Torres weren't stepping up, and Muller wanted to see a change. And 
Even some games where Horn has struggled to shoot, he went he went two straight games where he went 0 for 14 in those games, and he was still in the starting lineup day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And there's some other good freshman performance. Antonio Reeves has looked very, very good also. He's going to be a major contributor down the line. I think if you give this team a few more games, a few more weeks, maybe the next season they'll start playing a little better. I don't really have super high expectations. I don't really, really have high expectations. I expect another 500 season from the Redbirds, if I'm being completely honest with you. But I do expect a good home record. I do expect them to show up at home, as historically shown. Muller is almost at 100 wins at home in his career. I think he's maybe at 93, 92 at this point in time. Maybe a little more. I'm not 100% sure of that stat. But I know he was at 90 at, probably at the back end of November. Somewhere around that for sure. But, <clears throat> yeah, you you can win at home all you want, but you also got to win on the road. That's their, they haven't won on that, the road they all they won this year. Won. Yeah. You can look back at last season too. They barely won on the road. Well, I wasn't here last season. I'm just saying. I'm just if you look at it historically, the Redbirds are known for winning at home and losing on the road. I just that's my biggest thing against. You can't make that excuse. What do you mean you can't make that excuse? You can't win on the road, so you got to win at home. Yeah, you can win at home. It's not an excuse. It's facts. Yeah, but like you can't say like from a fan aspect. uh, Oh, you can win at home. Like, I want them to be able to win at home, and if that means they can't win on the road, that's fine. So you're saying as a fan, obviously you're not okay with that, but for no. me to say it, it's like, yeah, like it's, heard, it's obviously not I, okay. I've heard fans say, well, Why do you think the well, stands are half empty again this year? Why I, do you think there's ten I, people in the stands, in the student section? They I, have two student sections now. I'm not going to take this uh, viewpoint as my own, but somebody told me this, who was uh, a big fan of uh, Redbird basketball. They have started a basic rebuild with all the youth that they brought into this team this past season. A lot of freshmen yeah, in Atlanta doing well. Yeah. That's, that's what they have to do. This person who's been a fan for so long. Carter. It's not Carter. <laughs> but he said Dan should have went out before this year as a full restart. I agree. I 100% agree. And now he's tied into this team, and he's taking blame for how young they are. Now, I'm not saying young teams can't win. They should be able to win. Sure. You, you see it all the time. Hey, look at last year. Yeah. At Duke, for example. But we're they making four excuses freshmen, for this Four team. All-American freshmen at that, but still freshmen. Yeah, that's also This Duke, team yeah. started out against Belmont. That We're considering that an upset, even though Belmont yeah. oh, did No, that's, they were in the tournament last year. Yes. We weren't. That's an upset. You, we should have beat UCF. Yeah, I agree. And at that point, I'm like, okay, they can still bounce back. But then we get to Cincinnati. Should have beat Cincinnati. On to Cincinnati. That entire Paradise Jam tournament just that was turned this team uh, yes, upside down. 100%. Losing to UCF and Cincinnati by a combined three points in back-to-back games sent everything downhill. I and Muller, I agree. And Muller just said something at during that that just rubbed me the wrong way. He said after Cincinnati, oh, you can't be mad with this loss. They led for most of the game. How are you not mad with that loss? It might be against a good Cincinnati team, but if you leave for three quarters of a game, you should win. You can't say, oh, it's fine because they're a tougher opponent. You have to be able to keep that winning mentality in there and have everyone like you know, take losses personally. That's kind of what I think. I agree with you. I think the mindset is what the birds need to really – I th- think that's just the story of how ISU basketball has been. It's that mindset, that mentality, that attitude, because last year you could see players in Phil Fane and Keyshawn Evans physically show their frustrations on the court. I don't know about this year with these guys. Do you guys see sort of the similar traits and attitudes that those seniors have kind of paved the way for those younger players? Specifically, I did see something with Jay-Z Hillsman. Um, I 
against MSU. Um, uh, someone got the ball stolen from him, and they tried to go defend it down court, and he tripped up and got dunked on completely. I mm-hmm. think it was against MSU, and J.C. Hillsman just didn't move at all from where yeah. he was in the corner. He just stood there with his hands on his hip and was like, what the heck Keep that? Keep in so, mind, we're, we're not thrashing any of these players. Yeah, no, we're, not, no. we're not saying that their mental toughness is bad or their attitude is bad. We're saying that these mental lapses are causing the birds to go down in games. Keep in mind, they also did lose by one point against Cincinnati, 65-66 yeah. in, the last, in, a, in a final second, yeah. you know, exchange. Change of possession sort of deal. It happens. But it happens. You got to right. build off it. Here's something, though, that um, as as a fan, sure. I can't stand when I hear Muller say this. Um, the guys aren't listening. Like, if you're not able to have your guys listen to you on the coach or, I think or, I've never heard that before. No, he, uh, he, he said it all, he's, all he year. He says it in post Damn. Yeah, after just, horrible road losses. He took out Copeland because he said Copeland's not playing the right way. Oh, I, I kind of agree with Copeland is not okay, playing the right but way. But if he's not... He, why is a coach, is he not? He's that, supposed yeah, to be true. your leader that's on true. that team. He is leading the team in points with 14.7, and you're going to bench him for the second half. As a coach, do what you think is best for the team, but why is he not being the guy he's supposed to for this team? Copeland's that, a poster that, boy around town, too. I think that's the you coaching issue. You see he's him playing. on billboards. You see him on posters. You see him on road signs. You Copeland's see him around campus. You I, see him on... I think he should be the leader of this team because Fisher didn't perform so. up to par in the beginning. Well... Hillsman's uh, come. Hillsman has been a guy that they can really depend on so far. This yeah, year. Hillsman has played recently. Muller has said he's been his best player for him on both sides of the I court. Agree. He's been making stuff happen on offense, playing good defense. But back to Copeland, seventeen turnovers in MVC play. That's through four games. That's not a pretty number. That's six tur- turnovers a game. Copeland is probably one of the last remaining players from last year's team, along with Matt Chastain. As you guys know, Matt High and Isaac Gassman yeah. both transferred out after last season after those seniors and the big three graduated. And Copeland was sort of set up to be this senior leader point guard, the guy who's going to be leading the team in points, and he is. He's 14.7 points, and he's leading on average for the team right now. And He's doing his job numbers-wise, I guess. It's good enough, especially for ISU basketball, mid-major school, in the second-oldest conference in the country, with not a lot of success in the past few years. Granted, we do have that MVC or co-championship with Loyola when they went to the Final Four, when we lost to UCF at home two years ago, or three years ago, sorry. You have these minor successes but a lot more roadblocks. And coming back to Muller really quick, Redbird Twitter, and we can bash on him all day for his sort of coaching style, but he's not going anywhere, you guys. His contract is until 2024. He's an ISU alum. He's an ISU player. He's he's, he's cemented in this town. There's no way that Dan Muller is going to be fired, even considered to be fired, or even have a conversation about him being fired. The only reason I brought that up is just because he gets put in an impossible situation. He does. He gets put in very... what What would you do in that situation being put in this impossible yeah. situation just sets him up for failure in my opinion that i'm which is getting a sure. horrible reactions through uh social media and fans throughout the area but i can't i just cannot stand when he says i can't get through to the guys that's yeah whether they're that's youth, like laying down on the couch when you're a coach and just kind of watching the game yourself yeah at that just point. saying uh, whatever like, it's not that's not the greatest look. Um, no. Looking back at the Birds' last three games over break, like you said, January fourth, they're on a three-game losing streak right now. Their only win, kind of stemming from break uh, after that December eighteenth win against UIC, comes from you and I again. Six points at, at home, of course. Their only win over break 
early two wins actually over break. We're at home against UC, UIC with one point sixty seven mm-hmm. to sixty six, and against you and I seventy six to seventy. That was on the last second. That was on the last too. second shot too. I know. Three games of losing, and everyone's back at school. You got the fans back. Maybe I don't know. We'll maybe we'll, we'll we'll see how many fans you guys see tomorrow night. Their next three are just it's as difficult. They're just as more difficult. Drake, Loyola, Chicago at home, and then Bradley. Bradley right. and Drake are on the road. That Bradley game Brad- in Peoria next Wednesday, that's going to be a crazy game because Bradley's playing really well right yeah. now. Especially in Carver Arena, those fans are ruthless. And especially the ISU fans, that rivalry has been cemented in this town at Carver Arena, I-74 rivalry. That's that's a huge game. And they, if they – if I think I'm going to stop with this little thing. If the Birds keep it close against Drake – they win against Loyola at home, and they beat Bradley on the road. I think they have a chance. That's a tough schedule. A that's chance to that's a what? tough. That's a tough three games to to at least go five hundred. To at least have a little bit of cred and respect going into the last half of the season. I just I think they're going to get swept. I just don't see them walking away with a single win. Not even against Loyola. I don't think they're going to beat them at home. I I also think they're going to get swept, but I think the bigger game is that fourth game when they host Southern Illinois at home. You guys were talking about that the other if day. You said that's this a- is that's my breaking point with it all. If they lose to Southern Illinois, who has been plagued with injuries this year, they sure. they have lost several players this season. Say that again. Injuries. Southern Illinois again. We've already lost them once this year on the road, which our road struggles have already been discussed. Well, they're at home. They might win. But if it is no, that's what I'm saying. If we're going to lose at home to the team that has been cursed with injuries this season, all hope I've is lost. lost. Yeah, jumping ship. Well, I, I'm going to for the most point, part too. lost hope. But if that's the point, I I'm losing hope in Muller players. Like it's beyond this season because that I think that's going to be inexcusable. The birds will be visiting Bradley tomorrow night at 7 p.m. against or not Bradley, sorry Drake tomorrow in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, 7 p.m. at MediaCom. And uh, please catch that up on here at Vidat Sports. You guys will be covering that game from the office. Watching it live, I hope you probably will be watching it live. Uh, keep up for that coverage on Twitter as well. And then they will be coming back Sunday versing Loyola Chicago at 3 p.m. I'm hoping I see fans. I really want to see fans on Sunday. There's football going on on Sunday at 3 p.m. So I don't know how many fans are going to actually come out. Uh, that's a big thing for me, especially for the players too, especially the young players. I know I kind of touched on this last season. The birds weren't doing that great, you know. They ended up with a seventeen and sixteen record, and they have a little vengeance, actually, going into Drake tomorrow. Drake kicked them out of the tourney last year. It's our first time they're seeing them all year. Different team though; they might yeah, not I, have that same sure. mentality. But yeah, Copeland, Chastain, yeah, those Copeland, two guys, Adowu. Ray, Ray's yeah. gonna be great, man. Yeah, I, I'm. He, I, I've been high be on Ray better. since last season. I have been too, but he just—he's been. Give him time. Spotty. Yeah. Give him time. Give him time. He's this been spotty, but he's looked good at times. So I want to—I want to reel it back before we end this up here. The three things that I want to hear from you guys, or we can go around the table. What's what's one thing that you think that you can take away from this team right now? A positive thing to take away from this team. We talked about a lot of negatives, but tell me at least one positive thing you could take moving forward the rest of the season. They're halfway through it now. Where do you see them at the end? Um, I see them a little under 500, but a positive thing I can take away from them is I think young players have begun to progress. And even some of the older guys have begun to progress. I think DJ Horn has just continued to get better. Antonio Reeves has continued to get better. Um, Keith Fisher has gotten better as the season goes along, and I think he's going to be huge 
going forward into next year as a senior It'll be his third year in the system basically since he sat out last year um, but yeah just the way some players have been progressing has been looking very good for the future of ISU maybe not for this season but down the road we have to look at a positive eh yeah just positive just you got to stay optimistic oh uh, Jake gave his prediction on the record for this year I I think they're gonna finish out at 11 wins not necessarily a positive there but uh to think of a positive I am excited uh for the future of the team I Reeves Horn um with some of the guys coming back next year um you got to use this year as a stepping stone regardless of how it ends you got to learn from it and I think that's unless they somehow turn this around completely you got you got to learn from this and take it in the next season. It's a rebuilding year. I'm uh, I think I'm on the same train as you, Jake. A lot of these players are young and they're still learning to play together, and that just comes with a lot of adversity, especially for Dan Muller too. He hasn't had a young team in quite a while. He's had you know Paris Lee. He's had Malik. He's had Phil. He's had Keyshawn. He's had players like that for years, three four years. That's that's a core. He's looking for his next core right now, and. From what I've heard last season, from what he's said about Keith Fisher, he's that natural leader. I don't know what you guys have yeah, seen so far I, right I, now. Just on court, he just seems to be. He's an on court. Yeah. yeah. He just seems to, outside of Copeland, he seems to have a lot, a firm grasp on, on leading the younger guys. You build that core around him, and yeah. it, it'll it come for Keith. I really, I really do think so. Keith is going to step up in a way, and I'll, I'm just going to call it now because I. I believe in this, and from what I've heard from Muller, from what I've seen from him on the court, from how I see how he goes about himself in practice, I think he's going to be the guy that brings this team together. At one point or another, don't know if it's going to be this season. Might be next season. Could be next game. Could be next week. He's going to have to find a way to be that leader that Dan Muller knows that he is, and I hope Keith knows that he is too, especially with Copeland. Those two older guys, it's, I mean, Copeland's a senior. He's... He, He's been on this team for two years now. He should be well enough or trained to be a leader on this team. And these younger guys are playing well. Like you said, Jake, DJ Horn's playing great right now. He's probably their biggest bright spot stemming from break. It's going to be a matter of how this team's going to play together and how they grow together and how they progress together the rest of the season. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. I think that's going to be a huge crutch for them the rest of the season. I think it's going to mirror something along the lines of maybe a 17 and 16. Maybe they'll get over 500. I'm just being a little more optimistic just because it's early in the Valley. And Valley play is always weird because everyone just kind of beats up on each other no matter how good you are or how bad you are. Because who knows? I mean, you could be Southern Illinois with all these injuries and beat ISU in the first game. And then maybe ISU beats them when you see them in, you know, two weeks. What, January 29th we're seeing them again? January 25th we're seeing them again, 2 p.m. here? Sounds good to me. Bring it on. Yeah, sounds good to me. <laughs> um, a quick hit before we finish off this podcast. Uh, let's mention women's basketball real quick. Women's basketball is going to be in action this Friday against uh, Valparaiso at 6 p.m. at Valparaiso. And then they will also carry on to Sunday where they will be facing, just had it up, uh, Loyola Chicago. Uh, 
at Loyola Chicago. Women's basketball is ten and four on the season. They are eight and four at home. They are the better basketball they team. They're playing yeah, at right ISU. Uh, they're led by Lexi Wallen and TT Magit, who are both averaging about sixteen points a game. TT and Lexi are studs. They're they 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 know playing very what well what year. it takes to be you know you can look at the game against Bradley. They're actually. playing very well this year. They beat Bradley by. 15 points damn near. Actually, probably 76 to 61, that's 15, right? That's 15, <laughs> they, they if I did my Bradley. math right? I think they lost. They lost to Bradley. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> they, yeah, Read they, the lead they wrong. They didn't play well at Bradley. Well, regardless, the Juju's there. Says Juju's Illinois lost. State still Juju's Illinois, says Illinois well State too. head coach Kristen Gillespie. Juju's playing well, She's too. playing well, too. She'll they, be... She'll be good down the road in Unlike NBC men's play. basketball, they have their they have their stuff together over there on the women's. Yeah, side. they do. They have some ha- have had some road troubles, two and four on the year, but I feel like that at could go away won. as they keep playing. Yeah, at least they won. But great at home. Just you know, ISU teams play well at home. A and O at this, home. They love they love I mean, you can look at ISU baseball too. They play great yeah, at Duffy Bass. They're almost there. I, I, I'm excited. Forward. I'm really looking forward to I'm excited. season this year. I'm, I'm excited to actually see a winning ISU yeah. team. They're going to well, be good. Don't say finally. Wait, 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 wait. Come on. We made it. All right, all right, all right. Look, I'll get, I, I give football creds for what they've done this Hold year. Hold on. Like, I'll give ba- women's basketball credit. All teams at said. ISU that have played this season, other than men's basketball, have held a winning record. Great. And have done Volleyball, it. great. Cross country. <laughs> Cross... Soccer went to the MVP Soccer's great. Tournament. They went to the tournament championship. They lost. Yeah, yeah they but lost. Still, they, they got there. Yeah, they did good. That's that's good. That's good for us, man. Yeah. That's good for ISU sports. Uh, the valley runs deep. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Well, it looks like that's all we have for you. Remember to stay up to date on everything social media on our Twitter, at Vedette Sports, and stay up to date with all of our stories online at thevedetteonline.com. Uh, this has been Jake, Jake, and... John and yeah. remember stay hoppers. <laughs> <laughs>